Hello fellow England fans and welcome back for another episode of Into the Lion's Den, an England podcast. I'm your host James Harrison and tonight the guest that we have coming into the den is none other than a Scotsman, a proud Scotsman, a Scotsman that has actually followed England away at the World Cup in Qatar. He is a podcaster, he's been in a lot of football literature is an all-round good guy by the name of Steve Harrigan. Members of Block 109 will have no doubt remembered Steve from his time in Qatar and also when England played Scotland away where I met Steve and we had a few pints in Glasgow City Centre. We spoke at length about Euro 24, Scotland's potential chances and really what the future holds for the Tartan army. But before we dive into any of that stuff, since we've been on last, the episode of Peter Shilton, the draw has taken place for the Euros in Germany. England have been drawn in a group which consists of the Serbians, the Danish, and also Slovenia. England really should be qualifying from this group, but of course, we're at a major tournament. We don't know how the groups are going to go. So much has gone on since even the draw, with England fans from probably all over the world trying to negotiate their way through the spaghetti mess of finding accommodation in Germany. Flights through the roof. As mentioned in the upcoming podcast, one poor soul was nearly charged £700 to go from Edinburgh to Munich. I think that following England does have pros and cons. The pros you get to follow the best supported nation on earth. The cons, the continent knows it. And the charges for it too. As always, this episode is in conjunction with some England outfitters, some England merchants. And one of the things that's coming out at the moment with uh, England fans is replica tickets. There is the situation where all tickets are now electrical, uh, onto an application, onto a mobile phone, on an app, and you can get it straight out of your pocket and into the stadium. And that's great. At previous tournaments, a lot of fans have had the opportunity to get souvenir tickets. And we see pictures popping up on the England Supporters Travel Club site on Facebook all the time of wonderful mosaics and A4 framed picture storybook journeys being told through the tickets and pictures of England fans' times at tournaments abroad. But with the potential announcement of no replica tickets available for England fans in Germany, it leads to a tricky situation for those people wanting to remember their time following England, especially in a tournament which promises 
so much. So, into the lion's den, I've managed to cut a deal with a company called Football Stubs. Quality football ticket stubs, ideal collectibles and memorabilia, any game, any season, any competition. What this guy does is turn old paper tickets, electro electronical tickets, electronical? Electronic tickets into conditional quality, proper tickets for you so you can actually build your collection. There isn't really a better way to do it. Head over to footballstubs.co.uk and enter the code TTM-10 for 10% off of your order. You could then get your personal A4 frame journey from your time in Deutschland for England for when we win the Euros next summer. You heard it first, we will win the Euros. Talking of which, we do have something else which is even better. An offer which I, I took up immediately. England tees. T-shirts for England fans celebrating iconic goals, players, celebrations and results across the years. Englandtees.co.uk I personally uh, managed to, to get one of these. I got a David Beckham versus Greece uh, wonderful t-shirt. Lots of plain, unassuming simplistic t-shirts they're not out there you're not going to stand out from the crowd and to be fair not a lot of people actually do it's a good quality england portrait of david beckham which i have against greece but there's many more emil heskey the 5-1 scoreboard on a t-shirt for instance again if you want to get some money off how about 20 percent ttm 20 head over to england tees and simply get yours at ttm 20 for 20% off. The guys were fantastic. It was literally out to my house from the point of order within around 48 to 72 hours. Absolutely fantastic. I will also post a picture in the description with your link to see what these look like and also actually to get yourself some discount. Now, before we head into the interview, um, I wanna talk about tickets. I wanna talk about ticketing accommodation into Germany with the announcement that the England games are going to be probably in the west of Germany where we, we start in Gelsenkirk and go down to Cologne and obviously Frankfurt too. It's well worth noting that a lot of England fans can be a little bit confused of how to obtain tickets, can be a little bit confused as to how many caps you've got and what that entitles you to. And to be totally honest with you, I don't think anybody really is 100% sure either. But what we do have are quality England fans out there. And quality England fans that continue to populate the Facebook group, the forum on the England Supporters Travel Club website, and also in the WhatsApp groups that go around. Um, there's one from an England fan that we know um, that, that really puts a lot of effort into these things um, and by the name of Nick, who, who is a quality operator and what he does. And, and what he's done here is come up with the games for the groups, uh, what the allocation is. We now know how many fans first, cat three, two, one tickets that we have, also wheelchair and easy access tickets too. And he's also worked out what the cutoffs will be to guarantee a fan's first ticket, a cutoff to guarantee a cap three, and then obviously the 70% based on everyone applying what that cap's cutoff would be. You also have to remember that the England Supporters Travel Club emailed out today, which was Tuesday the 5th of December, um, into which they think you need to get guaranteed tickets. Remember, before I go into these figures, it's well worth noting that actually last month in November, the England Supporters Travel Club asked us all to fill out a pre-registration form. Now, of course, they've come back and said it's heavily oversubscribed, and I'm not surprised. We're the best supported team on Earth, and if there was a match on the moon, there would probably be us there too. Um, so take this with a pinch of salt, but in terms of what Nick usually does, is he does the worst case scenario as well. And actually, to be fair, he's more often right than wrong. So game number one, Serbia, that's going to be held in Gelsenkirchen, at what usually is commonly called the Veltins Arena. But obviously for tournament and, and UEFA purposes, it is going to be called obviously Gelsenkirchen. 
And the allocation that we've got is 9,992 tickets, so circa 10k. For fans first, UEFA have given us 2,306 tickets. According to the England Supporters Travel Club, the cutoff for this, if you want a fans first ticket, will be 31 caps or more. I have to emphasise or more, as Nick quite eloquently has put in his spreadsheet. So that means if you've got 31 caps or more, you're more than likely to be accepted for a fans first ticket, which will cost you around 30 euros. If you want a category three ticket, you need 19 or more caps, and that will then cost you around 60 euros. For the rest of England Supporters Travel Club fans that want tickets, the England Supporters Travel Club are saying that 17 caps or more might get you into that 70%. Remember, if you're in the 70%, you have a very, 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 very good chance of actually securing a ticket. Of course, the later you enter the sale, the worst price ticket you will get. Now, what Nick did very cleverly was also make a worst case scenario. And to be fair, this is what I tend to go off, because actually in life, if you work out your worst case, things can only get better. So for Serbia at home, if you want a fans first ticket, you're gonna need around 34 caps. If you want a cap three guaranteed, if desired, you're gonna need around 23 caps. And to get into the 70%, you're going to need 21 caps. For Denmark, which is going to be held in Frankfurt, fans first, around the same level, 2,387. However, this time, you're going to need, according to Nick's worst case caps table, you are going to need 33 caps to get a fans first ticket. To get a cap three ticket, which of which, of which 4,000 are available, you're going to need to get 23 caps and to get in the 70%, it's 21 caps again. For Slovenia, to be held in Colm, fans first, 2,240. So slightly less fans first tickets, over 100 less actually than Denmark. You are gonna need 34 caps, worst case, to get a ticket at the time of recording, 23 to get a category three ticket, and to get into the 70%, 21. Now this is based on everyone applying and every person securing a ticket. In more likelihood, it will probably be a bit less, which is what all England fans want. Now, if you're after wheelchair or easy access tickets, there are going to be 40 made available at each of the group stage games. Of course, all this is subject to change. There are the sports world offers, but unless, you know, you eat your dinner off of gold-plated cutlery and diamond-encrusted plates, I highly doubt that lots of people are going to take it up. I know I won't, because I probably can't afford it. However, Chris Cannon, Paul Dennis, Mark Griffiths and many more are going to be putting on coaches, so keep and stay peeled, your eyes peeled that is, on the England Supporters Travel Club Facebook page, which is actually, to be fair, a really good source of information. And some that's not so good, but hey ho, beggars can't be choosers. To be fair, you can't tell me that you haven't logged in to have a look yourself, if indeed you are a member. Now, before we get into this, I first met Stephen, uh, as I mentioned earlier, in Glasgow for when England easily dismantled Scotland, we even scored a goal for them and they still didn't beat us. We talk about Scotland's chances, we talk about England's chances, Anthony Gordon, and a little bit about just ticketing in general and really the whole scope of everything going forward um, for, for Germany Euro 2024. If you want to get involved, you can contact me on at HarrisonJ87 on X in brackets formerly Twitter or if you're a TikToker and you like being in bed in the evenings or led on the sofa and you're just scrolling through TikTok, feel free, get over there. I-T-T-L-D, I-T-T-L-D, into the lion's den on TikTok, it's Brill. Um, one of the videos that we posted up the other day had over 78 to 80,000 views, so it's pretty cool. If you wanna see great goals, good bits of footy information, 
get on over there and, and get involved too. Remember, the more England fans that we get onto this, the better. As always, keep listening to Russell Osborne's The Three Lions podcast. Keep looking at Block 109 for the great work that they do. But now we're going to let a Scotsman into the lion's den. Um, welcome, uh, Steve Harrigan, back onto the Lion's Den, uh, into the Lion's Den, really, I should say. That's the second take I've taken to try and do that. But you know what? We're going to roll with it. I think it's more authentic. Uh, welcome. Yeah, welcome back into the Den. How are you? I'm absolutely fine. How's yourself? Um, very well. I think everybody, all, all fans of European football, have been in the midst of draw fever, ticket fever, how many we're going to get? What's the allocation? What's the splits? How many loyalty points caps do you need? When are the games? Where are you stay in travel? It's it's a massive logistical headache, but a headache that you want to have. Absolutely, and I think as well, um, looking at this tournament and looking ahead to it, for for kind of fans of all nations, when you see where it's going to be situated um, in terms of Germany, which has got really good transport links, we know the stadia is top class. The accessibility of getting there as well, being in kind of mainland Europe uh, and where the kind of next couple of tournaments projected to be, they're projected to be a wee bit more spread out as well. I think that is just the, the perfect melting pot for, for this tournament, isn't it? Uh, uh, what we've had before, we obviously had um, the previous Euros that England got to the final of, there was still overhang of COVID restrictions in place at that one. Yes. So, yeah, and the last World Cup being in Qatar, which not everybody could go and enjoy. So this one's a wee bit more accessible for a lot of fans. And it's a it's a tournament that I think um, it's starting to open up. There's a lot of good teams in it. But um, as, you, as you touched upon, the fever of trying to get the tickets, trying to get accommodations, scramble for flights, everything else has begun. And, and that's the thing that is it from a Scotland perspective. Yeah. We've not had that for quite some period of time, so it's good to have that back. It, it's great. And, you know, again, congratulations uh, for qualification. I think it was it was done when it, you got the job done. And uh, to be fair to Scotland, um, as I say, when I met you up in Scotland, the atmosphere was electric. Um, I, I felt the buzz in the town centre, sorry, city centre. Uh, and then also, obviously, in Hamden as well, a bit different in Hamden, but... Uh, it was electric, I'll say that. I mean, so we've had the draw. Um, we'll talk about it, first of all, from a Scottish perspective, uh, and then we'll, we'll flip over to England. Um, but in terms of your draw, a lot of people are saying it's a tough draw, it's a horrible draw. I mean, me personally, a hungry are, are a good, decent team, uh, led by the maverick that is Dominic Schobersley, um, as we all know, is a wonderful player. Um, Switzerland... Off the record, you never know which one's going to turn up. Um, I, I think if you get Switzerland on a good day, they can upset anybody. Just ask France in uh, in in was that, I think it was Euro. I think it was the Euros just gone that they upset France. Um, but Germany first match in Munich. Um, what are your thoughts? Brilliant. Um, it's kind of the game I wanted. It's kind of you know when they're doing the groups. Obviously, I wanted to be part three because I felt it gave us the best possible possible opportunity to progress. When you've seen what was happening, how things were transpiring, it's not the worst group and it's not the best group, but it's a group where I think there's flaws in all teams, Germany included, um, and then I think all the other teams after Germany will be looking at themselves and thinking, okay we can get out of it. But to be involved in that first game, it just gives it such a buzz. Um, Munich's a wonderful, wonderful place. I, I don't know if you're visited, but you yeah. know, go to it's very traditionally German. Um, it's got great beer, it's got a great um, kind of city centre. You can sit outside the cathedral and enjoy yourself in, in what will be hopefully a, a nice sunny atmosphere. The stadium's probably a wee bit, I think it's 30 minutes outside, from, if my memory serves me correct. But again, there's great transport links. But to be involved in that first game, not when that game on the Friday night, that's what, again, we've waited for. I talked about, you know, Scotland being at last year. I was at some of the games at Hamden. Because of the restrictions that were still in place, it did feel very, you know, at arm's length. Uh, the atmosphere wasn't what it should have been. And because it was in home soil as well, I think it took a wee bit away. So as Scotland fans, we've been waiting for this um, opportunity to, to, to take our next trip. Um, of course, we, we played the opening game in France 98, and that, that didn't quite go to plan. 
Um, but perhaps we can give a wee bit better account of ourselves here and, and take something from the Germans who really are a team in transition. Yeah, transition to say the least. Um, you, you mentioned Munich. I think you're absolutely spot on. I went to watch uh, England against uh, Germany. Uh, we drew 1-1 Harry Kane penalty. Um, and we went uh, on the underground um, all the way out there. And uh, everything's called like a Platz, you know, <laughs> there's something Platz, uh, Bayern Platz, all these different Platzes. And we uh, we had a great time in Munich. It, it was a really, really good place. I must admit, no no hint of any trouble whatsoever uh, when we were there. The locals were fantastic. Um, the stadium itself, yeah, it is a bit of a, a way out of the city. But then again, um, you know, the stadium itself is absolutely magnificent. You will have a great view everywhere. And, and I agree with you. I, I think because it's the four out of the six groups, I believe it's the, the four third place teams with the most points will get out of it. And I think that I, I actually think you should be getting out of the group. I, I, I don't think Scotland are poor. I don't. I, I don't think you're a top 10 elite nation at the moment without being disrespectful. However, I think, I think you're better than Switzerland. I think you'll definitely, definitely have a fantastic match with Hungary. And I think you can put the frighteners onto Germany too. Um, I, I I'm expecting Scotland. I think you can get out of the group. I, I honestly think you can get out of the group, Steve. Yeah. It always depends how you're doing that first game. Look, Germany, um, as we say, aside in transition, they're out of form, um, but they beat France. If you look at them currently, they lost to sides like Colombia, Japan, Turkey and Austria. So there's been a lot of talk, especially in the media up here amongst fans as well, thinking we can go and get something off of Germany. I still think that would be very difficult. Yeah. We've seen bad German sides or perceived bad German sides go very deep in tournaments. So it's still going to be a very difficult game, especially being in home soil. They're going through that period at the moment where Nagelsmann's still messing about, still trying to implement his ideas in it. So from our point of view, hopefully they can start a wee bit slow. Even a draw in that game, I think, um, would be exceptional. I mean, this isn't, I know, I know, I think they're under 18s, won the World Cup, um, you know, last week, but this isn't the German teams of recent tournaments. Um, they're going to have a, a, a kind of weight of expectation, but I'm not sure even from the German public that that weight of expectation is huge. Maybe that suits them. I, I don't really know. Um, but I think, like, to, to that second place is what I touched upon. I think that's going to be. The, the most, the, the biggest prize it's going to go up for grabs. The concern with that, if you're projecting that even forward, you're going to probably play the winner or you're going to play the winner in Group B. Um, and that's probably perhaps the toughest group out there. So that, for Scotland to get through the groups would be one thing. Um, it's something we've never managed at a major tournament. You're right in saying about Hungary. I think they are the dark horses. They've got seven wins in the last tens. Um, you touch one suppose get Liverpool. They've got a few other attacking players. Um, they've got players that are kind of familiar with the, the German league as well. So I don't think you can discount them too much. And um, they've got Solani at Freiburg, they've got Leipzig um, centre back Overtan. So they'll know the country, they'll know the stadia. Um, I think they're probably weakest up top. The Swiss, yeah, I, they play very similar to Scotland, having watched a wee bit of them. Um, they're a team like us who try and make it difficult for sides to break you down. That, that's where I, I would class them as. My hope is they don't change manager before the tournament. There's been kind of vibes coming that they might decide to do that, get rid of Yak and it's in there because their qualifiers did end on such a kind of a low key. Um, they ended up in pot four. They'd won just two of the kind of final eight games in the groups and they were against, I think, Andorra, or both of them were against Andorra. Um, so for them, they still qualify as a wee bit of an outlier. Um, if you even look at their kind of stats, they lost six goals after the kind of 80th minute. They dropped points after the 80th minute four times. Um, they had more draws and wins in the group. And I see only two home wins from five, and one of them was Adora, and two wins from away, and, and one of them was Adora. Um, so they're a side that you have to be looking to take maximum amount of points from. But it's Scotland, and that's where it always gets a wee bit difficult. We always seem to make it hard for ourselves. The match against Hungary um, is obviously going to be difficult, but the, the pivotal matches, what we're ever coming out of the opening game, because tending for the tendency for us tends to be start poor, then we're playing catch-up. Again, if we can get a point even on board in that opening game, then it takes us very well never since to play for against the Swiss. Um, but it's going to be difficult, but I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think Hungary are, you know, you, you touched upon some of the results that they've had um, you know, in recent times as well. They're an excellent side in wide areas, not so much going forward. But we've got some deficiencies. We're kind of a wee bit light at the centre half. 
Um, we haven't quite nailed our starting centre forward in. That might be done by the tournament. There's still a lot of football to be played. Um, I think we'll be better. I think we'll be better equipped than we were at the last Euros. I think when you have a team that goes through a tournament and gains experience, that only bodes well. But it's a very interesting group. It's a group that you, even looking at Germany, you know, in years gone by, you would just write Germany off as, you know, their top seeds, they're going to win it, they'll progress very easily. As we sit here right now, and as they touch wood, you know, it's, it's early December, um, Germany are not showing to win this group. That makes it interesting. It makes it a very interesting opening game, makes it a very interesting group. And this is one that you feel will go down in the final, you know, games as well to decide to go through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could be kicked out the Lions Den for saying this, you know, but I I have applied for tickets uh, through UEFA because you guys play on the first Wednesday, uh, I believe, because uh, England play on the Sunday. You play on the Wednesday. Uh, that'll be your second game. I, I've applied. I um because we're staying in the area. We're staying in a place called Ringlitzhausen, um, which is around twenty three minutes away from Gelsenkirk and the stadium, Felton's Arena. Um, so that Dortmund, Dusseldorf sort of area. Now I, I've applied. I'd like to go and I'd like to go and see it. I think the Tartan Army, as we all know, very similar to England, actually, are going to travel. Are going to take it over? You can absolutely take it over. Now, obviously, before we touch on the draw and talk about some other teams and and England, of course, a lot of the a lot of fans of England at the moment. I find things very interesting with UEFA in terms of ticketing. Now, in terms of England, uh, this you know, as we record this, this is now Monday, uh, sorry, Tuesday evening. We've had an email probably around four hours ago uh, saying that our registration is going to open tomorrow. How many fans first tickets we've got, you know, all the categories and stuff like this. So there is still a little bit of uncertainty as to what's going to be required. We think we know, um, but in terms of the Scottish application process, um, how successful you may be getting tickets yourself, Steve. I mean, how does the Scottish process work from a, from a Scottish you know point of view? I would imagine it's very similar to, to England, where it's on a, a points down and, and tier down system. So um, anybody with 12 points and above uh, will be given a code. They can log in and, and buy their tickets tomorrow. You're guaranteed one match with that. And then it just goes a tier down system from there um, with different time scales and, and time frames to, to log in and purchase tickets. You're right in what you're saying. Some of the tickets, some of the prices... Um, and I've seen a lot of them are quite priced about 400 euros aren't they which mm. is very cheap um, especially as we're living in this current climate and I think everybody across the whole of Europe is experiencing hardship throughout it so yeah you could say it's typical UEFA but I don't think it's unexpected I mean we're expecting every nation to get about 10,000 tickets aren't we Correct. Um, so the scramble for tickets is going to be massive um, and that's I mean Scotland will take far more than 10,000 to, to the tournament, as will England. So then you're, you're you're trying to get, it's a numbers game, isn't it? And you just hope you're lucky in the ballot. And when you look at the, the millions that have applied for tickets, it really is pot luck and, and hope that you get some, isn't it? And if you don't get them by your national associations. Yeah, I mean, um, do you think that you will get a couple of games in there, Steve? Yeah, I'm, I'm confident. I mean, I'm not on the top points here, so probably one or two below it. So again, it depends on the demand. You always hope that, I think that not everybody's going to take them in that that kind of top tier category. So by the time it gets to you, if there's something left, um, you've got a game or so, and then you've always got the chance of that kind of the ballot as well. So yeah, there's hope, um, and that's what you know, I suppose the majority of us are looking for. Um, but that there's there's just not enough tickets to go around, especially. I mean, the German stadia uh, have got really good capacities. I know they're reduced because of the the kind of safe standing limits that have not been brought in for for play for this tournament because it has to be an all seater. You just wonder if they could have perhaps done that because um, no terrace and back for for some of the games would have looked pretty good and then it would have let a couple of extra thousand in. Now, if I might have went and sold them to corporate, um, <laughs> as they do, but ten thousand is just. It's a small number, and having experienced the UEFA ticketing system before, especially being at European finals with Rangers, it's a really mad scramble for tickets because it's so difficult on the ones that miss out, and then you're just waiting because you can't book anything until you really know what games you've got. Um, I know some people might say, well, okay, we're going to base yourself in Berlin and, and go about, but you want to be as close to the action as you can get, don't you? Um, and even some of the, the prices that the airlines are charging, I, I looked on Saturday night and the prices for a flight from Munich from 
from I think it was Edinburgh, it jumped up to just under seven hundred per hundred ton. Yeah. Um, you know what? That's a disgrace, um, yeah. I, and I think it's completely uncalled for as well. Um, and I and I think um, I think that actually made the press. Um, I think that was an easy jet flight. I think I saw that uh, seven hundred and eighty-two or forty-two or ninety-two pounds or whatever. You know, anything north of you know six seven hundred quid, as far as I'm concerned, is um, it's robbery. It's unacceptable. However, um, these businesses know that people like us are going to pay it because we want to go. Now, obviously, um, no doubt I'll see, I will definitely see you out there at some point. We have to have a pint because I owe you two pints. And I'm going to say it now in front of the fan bases of England and Scotland. I owe you two Guinnesses, mate, and I and I intend to pay that back. Um, but what I will say is uh, there's also the away for application, potential resale apps, ticket exchanges, things like that. So I would encourage you to just apply for a load of games and you never know while you're out there. You, you could meet a Croatian that's got some for Scotland and you've got some, you know, you never know and, and do some sort of a swap that way. Um, if you, you know, if you, if you're unsuccessful there, I'm sure, I'm sure there's got to be ways somewhere to, 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 to get in there. Um, now in terms, obviously of these groups at the Euros, um, I take it that you watch the draw and you, 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 you know, poor Michael or Brian Laudrup, which one was it? Michael? You know, it was the same guys that did the BBC FA Cup. And, uh, when I heard it, I thought, Oh my! I was looking around my front room, thinking, "What? One of the kids opened up my phone. Someone, one of my buddies, sent me something. We've all been caught. I don't care. Oh. I reckon we've all been caught with that. Everybody's um, had that one, haven't they? So yeah, um, yeah, we did well. But these type of things, I thought Michael Lowe handled it very well. But um, it took a wee while to figure out where it was coming from, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely, they did. I was just laughing. It took a bit of the edge off, which was uh, I. I do love a good draw, like uh, I do. I really like it. It's a group A. You've obviously got Germany as the host nation, followed by Scotland, Hungary, and Switzerland. Uh, group B, I mean, you know, I'm very thankful that we've avoided it. Both of us have avoided it. Um, Spain, ex-European champions, ex-world champions. It doesn't feel like long ago at all, does it? But they're in transition. They've got Gavi and Pedri, both before Jude Bellingham won the golden ball a, a few days ago. These were the last two winners of it. They do have strength and depth, as we know. You know, they could be a dark horse, but they are in, I would say, a gradual transition. Um, Croatia, again, another nation. They are a real tournament specialist team, I find. I think I saw a wonderful stat saying that they are like the penalty specialists of major tournaments. Um, you know, and obviously they dispatched us in in, in Russia. Um, Italy, again, they're the European champions. My personal feeling is that they shouldn't be in the group because if you'd watched the the match against Ukraine uh, in our group, um, Ukraine had a massive penalty shout turned down in, in injury time. That was a penalty. Um, you know, I, from what I'm led to believe, that was a stonewall clear penalty. And I, I did see a Ukrainian fan put something to do with a UEFA uh, corruption at some point. Obviously, they're hurting, um, but they are in the playoffs. And I do wish Ukraine well. And Albania, and here's an interesting one for you, Steve. My barber is Albanian and we he's a Man United fan. I'm a Liverpool fan. When we sit down with every every month, we go through the same thing, football, England, Albania, all of it. You know, the politics of um, Jordan Shakiri and uh, Granite Xhaka and all these guys who play for Switzerland and for one reason or another, you know, you know, should play for Albania, but don't. And I've been having the conversation with him. And obviously, I think that they could, um, I, I don't think they'll get out of the group, but I think they're capable of taking points away from some of these other teams. Now, um, that's Group B. Uh, group C, Slovenia, Denmark, Serbia and England. Um, I think England go through. Um, I, I, I believe that I, I would take that draw. Um, I'm not afraid of any of them teams at all. I'm probably more afraid of certain fan groups of certain nations within that group, if I'm honest with you. Um, but I, I think, I don't think Denmark are the team, what they were uh, a couple of seasons ago. However, I think possibly could take a point off of us maybe, but the other two, I think we should be winning. Um, group D, France, Austria, Netherlands, and potentially Wales, our friends over uh, in Wales. Now, the Netherlands, as we know, can turn it on. They were the ones that everybody sort of wanted to avoid from everyone in pot one, because obviously 
they're a powerhouse. Virgil van Dijk, Cody Gakpo, you know, they've, they've got class throughout the team. Um, Austria, under former Man United manager Ralph Ranić, I think they won every game. I think I'm not mistaken. I think they won every game in qualifying. And then you've got the French. Uh, Group E, Belgium, Slovakia, Romania, and another playoff winner. Again, it's a, a, I think Belgium get out that group, but the other teams are not really... I don't, I'm not afraid of any other teams. I don't know if you are. You know, I, I think uh, I, I think Belgium go through. And the final group is Turkey, Portugal, Czech Republic, and another playoff winner. One of, I believe, um, it will be, I, I think it might be the one with Kazakhstan. Um, so, I mean, Turkey absolutely romped uh, their group as well. Portugal, they're my dark horse for the tournament. Um, Portugal, I think they won every match in qualifying as well. I think they do have a good squad and no one's really talking about them. Now, now that's the draw for the Euros. What are your overriding thoughts? I mean, who do you think can mount a, a dark horse challenge, as it were, to come through to the front? Where do you think England end up? Um, what's your thoughts? I think if, if you take it group by group, if you look at Group B, for instance, on paper, it certainly looks the most competitive in terms of the sides in there. Spain, from a Scotland perspective, we played them at a perfect time. They were very much a side in transition, but what they are now and what they've evolved to be is very un-Spanish. Like, they're mm. an international team now. They get the ball wide. They've scored a lot of headed goals. Marata, we know, miss a lot of chances but they certainly have that kind of capability to go wide and mix it up a wee bit, which they perhaps haven't had. They're missing a couple of players. Um, they're not as strong as I, I would perceive them to be perhaps in previous tournaments, but because of that football ethos, because of that ability to mix up, I think they're still a threat. Italy, Chiesa being back, is massive for them. I don't think they've got any real world-class players, so they have dropped off a wee bit, but Chiesa being back in that kind of forward line, he can play off the left or play centrally, kind of drift. I think he's massive um, and just looking to get them, especially on the transitions. Croatia, they're always there and thereabouts, um, but they are starting to take a wee bit of a downturn. Their players are kind of aging out. Um, write them off at your peril, but they're a very experienced international side. That's what you would say. Yeah. Group C, I just don't see any problems for England. I mean, you're asking where do I think England will finish in this tournament? I think it's between England and France. I think you'll look at players the likes of Bellingham, the likes of Rice, the likes of Kane. You know, he's got a year playing in Germany under his belt. The only positions you you, you look at are weak for England is in goals. We should say could possibly go for strengths and in that position, whoever the goalkeeper is, I don't foresee it changing until you know for the tournament, but it possibly could, and and possibly it's centre half. But John Stones can fill in there, and you know whoever plays beside him, uh, it's more than comfortable international level. So there's no view perceived weaknesses in the side. It's a very experienced England squad again. It's a team with tournament experience and experience of going to finals and semi-finals of tournaments. So look, if if you're asking me to put my money on it, I was very vocal. And saying that I thought that England were going to win the World Cup um, in Qatar. They didn't quite manage it. I, I've got a feeling um, the Euros is a win for them. I think only France is a kind of real threat. They're also in Group D with the Netherlands. Austria, yeah, Ranick, very good at making players who want to be coached. I'm not sure that was the case at Man United, um, but players that will listen to what he brings in terms of his, his coaching experience, but without perhaps the personality that he didn't have or didn't come over when he was in this country, um, it will make Austria very kind of good to beat or kind of hard to beat. The Dutch, we're going to play them in a friendly just before the tournament. Uh, it's not going to announce where I suspect it'll be Amsterdam. Again, they, they don't have a great deal. Oh. You talked about the players that they've got in wider areas. As a boy, they have Noah Lang. I've seen him um, play against Rangers for PSV. I think he could be one of the breakout stars of this tournament. Um, they've also got some other exciting young players like Cesare Sevens, who hasn't really kicked on um, this season, but if he can get it together for, for the Dutch team, um, he's massive. And, and, and you know, um, John De Jong being in there, it, it's just huge. Van Dijk, I think, is back to his absolute best. Um, Statistically, Steve, Virgil van Dijk is having, uh, up until uh, the last round of fixtures, uh, Virgil van Dijk statistically is having his best season at Liverpool. I mean, you, you, before he was struggling with that kind of closed down speed when he came back from his injury originally, mm. wasn't he? And you could see it in how teams played Liverpool and how teams played at international level. He's got that back up. It might have just been a, a case of getting games or, or getting his fitness back up, but he's back to his best and that is huge. Where you worry about them is up top for me. They're, they're still playing V-cost up there a lot of the time. 
and he's yeah. a very traditional Dutch striker. Now you've seen even at the last World Cup when they did decide to go direct, they got a bit of joy, especially kind of late in games. I'm just not sure that carries you through this type of tournament when there is teams like France in the group who've got so much quality and depth. I mean, France could have two or three squads, um, but yeah. the team is just, I mean, yeah, I, I'd be I'd be surprised if it's you know you're know, looking at probably France England semi final something like that or France England final. Um, I'd be very shocked if it wasn't between the two sides and one of them coming out. Belgium, uh, Belgium are kind of will get out the group, but are in regression. Romania got through by the skin of teeth. It was actually a goal by a, a Rangers player on loan, Yanis Hadji. Um, it's a very famous father that, that you know. Yeah, well, there. what's going on with Hadji? He was in your team, uh, what, 18 months ago? A couple of, two yeah. seasons ago, maybe? And he was doing really well. Where's he gone? What's gone on there? Just off topic quickly while we're here. He's on loan in Celta Vigo in Spain. Now, he's a very good technical player. This type of tournament, I think, international football suits him. As you'll know by watching England, international football, the tempo of the game drops considerably. If you're used to watching the Premiership week in, week out, and then you go and watch international football, it can almost seem like two different games. And I think when it goes to that kind of high-tempo games, he's not got the physicality to always play in what I would class as tough away games in Scotland. He drifts in and out of matches. But on an actual level, because of his name, he, he seems to carry a lot of things with him. And it works well for him. He's an exceptional player technically-wise. He has had a wee bit of bad luck with injuries. So again, having a full season of playing games, he's a goal-scoring threat, he's good at set plays, he's almost two-footed. He, he, he stopped taking shots from distance for us. Uh, he, he, when he originally arrived, he, he was taking shots from distance and scoring goals and contributing in that manner. Then he got his injuries kind of faded out. If we can bring that back, you know, he might be one of them that you see him shine in a couple of the group games. I don't think he, he would do anything beyond that, but he is capable of that kind of moment of magic. And if it's Wales in there, Wales are, are very much... Um, propping up the numbers, sadly. Um, they, they've done really well. They've managed to get there again. It'll be a tremendous achievement for Robert Page. But you look at where their squad is at the moment, um, still playing the likes of Aaron Ramsey and, and things like that in there. It's a team which is, uh, again, probably had better days and, and they're doing slightly better than the likes of Non Island to go to tournaments. It tends to work in cycles. You said you get Portugal, which you're kind of dark horses. Yeah. I would say Turkey. Uh, you look at the kind of fullback areas. They're exceptionally strong. They've got pace, they've got power. They get forward in numbers. If anybody's seen the last game they had with Germany um, and how well they played in that one, Turkey could be one to keep an eye out for. And obviously they're going to be hosting the kind of next tournament. So they're looking to build to that as well. Um, so that would be the kind of dark horse. But I just don't see any potential winner coming outside of England and France. And I suspect it would be England. And to be honest, if it's England, fair enough, even, even as a, a Scotland fan, Scotland supporter, um, you've got the players. This is a tournament to do it. I think Gareth Southgate was very much... I, I suspected him, or I, I expected him to step down after Qatar. I, I thought that would be... They had that clock up at St George's Park. It was, everything was primed for that tournament. And when it didn't just work out, you know, in terms of winning it the way they hoped, I expected him to kind of step back and, and perhaps, I don't know, take the Man United job, something like that, right? Mm. But I think now that he, he looked at that group and thought... Berlin wasn't quite ready. He is now. He's absolutely flying. You look at his numbers for Real Madrid. Oh. You look at his contributions. You look at... I mean, there's there's not a position in that midfield you couldn't play him in. Then you have Rice with his ability to kind of break the lines, carry the ball forward, factor in likes of Harry Kane, factor in your fullbacks, factor in likes of John Stones. Um, you have talent in abundance. And the, the only thing going to hold England back for me is Southgate. In previous tournaments, you think of previous games against France and the World Cup and things like that, he's put the handbrake on, done it against Italy when he's put a goal up in that final at the last Euros as well, kind of sat back. I would just, you know, if it was an England point of view, I would just say, when you have the opportunity to kind of put your throat in teams and, and kill them off, go and do it. Don't be passive. Go and express yourself because the attacking players that you have, the ability to get beyond the strikers. Harry Kane is so good at holding the ball up. He's excellent coming deep. Goal-scoring threat, threat from set plays. Okay, Mr. Penalty last time, all that kind of stuff. But he's a world-class striker, an absolute world-class striker. I mean, you see the impact he's having at Bayern Munich, and that does not surprise me one iota. Um, it's been remarkable, but that's because that's the type of player he is. And the only thing he's probably thinking now is, Daniel Levy held me back for about three or four years of my career because he is a player that deserves to win a hell of a lot more than he does. So I hope he gets the recognition when England to, to hold something 
above his head in the back. I expect him to win the Bundesliga and who knows, possibly one of the other tournaments as well that he's involved in with Bayern Munich. Yeah, I thought that was eloquently put. Um, you know, big respect for obviously saying that an England win in a tournament, um, you know, you'd be happy with it. That's very kind of you, um, actually, to be fair. And I, and I agree with you with Harry Kane and Daniel Levy. On my other uh, podcast, the TTM Sports Show, the person that I do that with, um, James, he he's a Tottenham fan. And obviously, Tottenham, Liverpool, you can imagine the running battles that, that we have where they're, you know, their inferiority complex uh, kicks in regularly. Um, you know, we, we talk about Harry Kane. I've said probably for about three years, yeah, maybe four, but three years, I said he's wasted. He's, he's wasted there. He's not going to win anything there. You know, the, the response from Tottenham fans is, well, you know, he can uh, he can he can literally win the all time top scorer in the Premier League. And to which I replied, well, if he went to somewhere like, you know, Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, as I've always said, Bayern Munich, go there for two or three years, win everything, set records in Germany and come back to the Premier League. You know, you'd still be young enough to just about come back for a couple of seasons. And uh yeah, I mean, you look at Jude Bellingham, you look throughout the team, probably the only player who hasn't actually won anything is the goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford. But then Jordan Pickford, in my opinion, he is the Ian Poulter, you know, of the international football the football team. You know, doesn't go out and win sort of majors in golf, but, you know, when he, when he played for Team Europe in the Ryder Cup, he was inspired. And to be fair, you know, in the, in the, in the penalty shootout against Colombia, he was the main man there. Let's not forget, in that final against Italy, he saved the Jorginho penalty. He actually saved it. And then obviously, you know, Saka, bless his soul, uh, missed it. Um, what I have got here very quickly while we're here is I've, I've gone on to Odds Checker and I've actually got all of the odds for the tournament. Now, at the moment, England, according to Odds Checker, are favourites 18 to 5, uh, followed by France at 4 to 1. So obviously, both of our predictions, you know, I, I've always said England will win this one. I've always said it. I didn't think we'd win in Qatar. Um, I think we, like you say, we, we we were primed for it, ready, but I didn't think we would. My, my, I think we'd win this. I don't think we'll win the World Cup in America. And I think we'll retain it in England. I, I retain the Euros in England. I've always said that. Um, Germany, third favourite, seven to one. It's just like them, isn't it? Um, to go deep, to maybe not win it. Um, but it is just like them to go deep. Uh, Spain eight to one, then Portugal eight to one, Belgium sixteen to one, then you're out to Italy eighteen to one, Holland eighteen to one, Denmark thirty five to one, Croatia forty to one, and then your boys Turkey, your pick seventy to one to win the Euros. Stranger things have happened. Denmark ninety two. As we know, when the, the draw opens up, it depends. There's always an upset that kind of you do your wall charts and all that in preparation for the tournament. We'll have a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah. But there's always a team that kind of underperforms or overperforms and that kind of skews things up. So you end up with, you can end up almost with a final in the semi final or quarter final stage, can't you, at these tournaments? Yeah. And then breaks through. So yeah, we, we each we bet in Turkey or Portugal or something that is your, your fancy pick. I don't think that's out of the realms of possibility. Um, I would hope Scotland could do something, but I just don't see. I don't see us handling the big teams that well. I think on a neutral venue, Steve Clark will be a lot better, but we'll be playing a lot of the percentages um, and it will be difficult. We're having so many games in quick succession. England, I mean, the only difference, the only thing I can draw to, to say at the moment, the, the difference between them and France, we know how good Papi is and things like that. I would say Rashford's the only kind of problem player that you've got in terms of mm -hmm. output at the moment. That that's a one that you would look at and go, okay, if somebody's playing a wee bit better come tournament time, you might want to interchange him. But Southgate's been very loyal to him. He's tended to fancy him in the big games. And to be mm -hmm. fair, he's turned up, especially in, in kind of group stages, matches at tournaments, he's turned up for England. But his kind of decision making at times can be a wee bit baffling and his end product is a wee bit lacking. But what he gives you is that kind of ball to get, you know, England like a lot of players like Ben Lammers have touched upon, Foden, um, if Grealish is in there, guys that get beyond Hurricane, Rashford has that kind of explosive plate base to go beyond him, doesn't he? He does. Um, Wales in the group stage, free kick, uh, a brace in that game. Scotland away at Hampden Park. He was good there. He was good against Italy uh, just a few short weeks ago at Wembley. Wins the ball on the left from Jude Bellingham's pass. 
sprints through, opens up, slots it bottom corner. I think he's a big game player. You're right. Also, Raheem Sterling, um, you know, doesn't seem to be getting called up at the moment, but is playing all right for Chelsea. Um, and there's, you know, young Anthony Gordon. Now, here's a debate for you. I'm hearing uh, on, on the rumour mill, which I'm sure by the smile on your face as well, um, that, that Anthony Gordon um, could make a switch of allegiance to Scotland. What are your thoughts on that? And does it have legs? It has legs. I, I think it, it's going to come down to the player. I'm sure, in fact, I, I'm sure we've had, we have had discussions with the player. Um, look, before, I don't think it would be entertained because if you're a player you want to play at major tournaments, Scotland haven't been qualifying on a regular basis for major tournaments. But if you now can say to players, look, we're getting to major tournaments, look where we are, we're progressing. You're going to come, you're going to start. Do you want to go away with England squad and be a bit part player? I don't suppose he's going to start for England, but he might look at it long term. You, you talked about the Euros being in this country that you know the, the next time around. Is that something he would look at as his target? But then the window for opportunity for players is so small. Um, do you want to pass up on that challenge or say or the opportunity of saying I played at a major tournament and he would start absolutely every minute of every game for Scotland for England? he would probably get 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here. Again, it comes down to the player. International football is so much involved in this. You talked about players from Albania and things like that. It's more like club teams now, and teams are now trying to find passports that their granny had or places that their granny visited from long ago to try and get them um, tapped up and, and make it more like a club feel. Um, the England squad is pretty set. The Scotland squad is pretty set. I mean, when you look at the Scotland... When I'm looking at the, the players that will go, there's only probably one or two positions up for grabs. So it is about adding quality over quantity for us now. I think our starting team is pretty much set. If somebody like Gordon's going to join, he has to buy in at these sorts of the group. It can't just be I'm going to turn up and think I'm going to be the star of the show. You have to buy into that. What's been built with Scotland? And um, I've been critical of Clark in the past in some of the ways he sets up. Um, but what you can't argue is he has gave us a strong team spirit. He has to do better at winning the big games, um, setting out against the bigger teams. But how you do that is you get better players. So he's left the door open for him. Um, I think he's been very clever with his comments, especially publicly surrounding it. He's kind of backed off and said, you know, it's up to the player, that kind of stuff. Privately, we 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 put the feelers out and it really comes down to, do you, does the player want to do it? And when will he make his decision? How late will he make it? Um, I suppose there'll be a couple of England friendlies maybe, I expect both nations to have between three and four before they start the tournament. Well, I think so, we've got four. Um, we've uh, yeah. announced Brazil uh, at Wembley, followed by Belgium at Wembley, and then there's two before the tournament starts. So that was the March fixtures, and then uh, into the, the two before the tournament starts. We think it could be a Scandinavian team, um, obviously due to play in Denmark, or it could be maybe Sweden or Norway or Finland. Uh, one of them at St James's Park. Uh, so yeah, you're you're right in what you say in there, and also, um, that's really um, it's really quite clever what you've said that it, it you know if Anthony Gordon does make that decision, I mean I, I don't know if I'm honest with you where where he's at at the moment. What I do know is he's playing well. Um, now he's got rid of the Claire the Claire Balding haircut is 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 what it's called, and uh, he seems to be knuckling down and playing well. And fair play to him. Um, but in terms of you know turning up for Scotland and, and buying into the ethos and the team ethic, that's good. And it, and it just goes to show that there are um, good standards, not just amongst the fan base of Scotland, but but amongst the actual squad too. In terms of Steve Clark, I mean, I've got a story to tell you about Steve Clark. I I went to the Charity Shield. Um, it was at Leicester's ground, not not this season. It was last season. Liverpool played Man City. Liverpool won it. Nunes made his debut and scored. Um, I, I remember it was through work and it was through charity and they had two um, hospitality tickets up for grabs. And me and my me and my friend Martin at work, we said, look, we're going to win it. We're going to win this. And we like, we got like 120 quid for the for the pair, which were or 124 pound for the pair. Fantastic. So we went there and um, at, at half, uh, just before kickoff, um, I thought I'm just going to go to the toilet. And I was walking through the that, you know, through through the stand and it's hospitality, it's all nice carpets at Leicester King Power. You walk past David Dean, the ex-Arsenal, uh, the ex-Arsenal chairman man there. You had obviously all the the Leicester City, uh, Rick Parry, ex of Liverpool was there. Um, Sean Wright Phillips, he was there. I had a quick picture with him. And then I see, um, I, I also met Ian Rush, but, but Steve Clark, 
Steve Clark was walking through, and as I walked past him, I think I offended the Scotland manager. Not through, uh, not through any. I didn't actually mean to, but I looked at him. And I, I went, um, Steve, uh, Steve, you know, keep up the great work. And I was just trying to be friendly, but at that time, Scotland were, you know, really, you know, weren't playing like you are now. And I, and I bet he thought, you cheeky, do you know what I mean? You know, so. Um, but yeah, that, that was my little story of when I met Steve Clark, but, you know, to give the guy credit, he, he's done well and he has done well. Now, just before, just before we, we end now, um, I will get you on while we're out there. Um, I will, I will take out, you know, the bits and bobs and we, we can record one while we're out there over a couple of Guinnesses. Um, you know, we'll sort something out, no doubt. Now, um, as, as we head towards the end of the podcast, obviously you're a podcaster yourself, you're a massive Rangers fan. Um, look, now's your time. You know, plug your podcast, what it, what it's about, you know, get people to listen to it. Yeah, anybody that's interested, um, just look for Heart Hand. You'll find the podcast. You can download. You'll find us on Patreon. You'll find us in X. You'll find us anywhere. Just type in Heart Hand Podcast and you'll get us. You can hit me up on Twitter or X as well at, at Stephen underscore Harrigan. Um, and I can answer any questions. And if anybody's ever in town, Never fancy checking out iBooks or fancy checking out the museum that's wonderfully built there. Just let us know and I'll point you in the right direction. Um, it's it's a wonderful place to go. Absolutely. I agree. Um, brilliant. I will link all of your stuff in the bio of this particular podcast as well. So go over to X, give them a follow. In fact, give me a follow as well. That'd be great. Um, in terms of uh, my visit to Scotland, I also visited Cathkin Park, um, uh, uh, you know, an abandoned stadium. Uh, I also uh, had an interview with a Scottish, uh, a Scottish actor, actually, who was actually in Trainspotting 2. His name is Simon Weir. Um, he's been involved heavily in the restoration and the looking after of Cathkin Park. Uh, that is out in Nine Football Magazine, which is going to be out... I believe within the next few weeks into January. And uh, so, so get your hands on that, guys. But uh, look, um, Steve, it's been fantastic to catch up with you again. Um, please let me know how you get on, whether you're successful in your tickets, where you're staying. And I think what I want to do is set up uh, a great podcast while we're out there with a few blokes uh, and, and ladies, if they like to as well, over a couple of pints, we can cut loose we could even have swear words. It's not a problem. And we can cut loose, have some proper banter and a really, really good time. But for now, Steve, uh, thank you very much for popping onto the show. No, thank you very much for having me. And that looks, uh, sounds like a very good offer. I just want to end and say thank you to all the England fans who came up to Glasgow and they donated a defibrillator um, to the, the site, the first ever Scotland-England um, match that was played in Glasgow over in Partick. So um, it was a fantastic cause and, and well done to all them involved as well. Yeah, absolutely. Block 109 led by the mercurial Kunal Sapat um, with, with that donation there. Um, look, that is all from me and no doubt we will see you on Into the Lion's Den very, very soon. Well, that was the interview with the main man from north of the border, Steve Harrigan, a passionate Rangers fan, and I'm pretty sure you'll agree, an all-round good footballing man. Um, again, just a little bit more uh, housekeeping as we as we start to wrap up this podcast. England Tees, if you want to get your hands on an authentic England t-shirt of a memory of a wonderful time in your life following England, then head on over uh, to the website, which is englandtees.co.uk where you can get 20% off of anything you purchase on there just by simply using the code TTM20. Again, football stubs, if you want to get traditional commemorative keepsake tickets of your trip to Germany, then head over to footballstubs.co.uk again to get 10% off of there and the code TTM hyphen 10. My ex, I would say, I would say tag username if you were, if you want to find me on there, simply go HarrisonJ87, HarrisonJ87 on X, where you can contact me on there if you want to join me on the show to discuss anything football, tell your life story, 
by all means, you're more than welcome. England Block 109, again, if you want to catch those guys again on X, they are the people. Uh, if you want to follow England, big shout out to Nick for the fantastic work that he's been doing, amongst others, setting up uh, wonderful Excel spreadsheets and his now famous, I, I would say, I, I, do you know what? I've actually forgot what I'm going to say, but it is now famous flowcharts is what I was going to say. Uh, big up again to the rest of the England community. Let's get out there to Germany. Let's go and have fun. I will be bringing out another episode before Christmas. You just don't know what's coming on this podcast. You don't know who it could be. Do you know what? If I'm honest with you, neither do I. That's the fun of it. Could be a manager, could be a player, could be a fan, could be anyone really. Could be just me. But I bet you really don't want that. However, enjoy the rest of your day today and we'll see you again soon in the lion's den.